I, I don't know what happened there with Chantel's uh, fantastic PowerPoint slideshow thing there. Um, I must confess, I might have done something to it that created that. But even if I didn't do anything to it, it's still my fault, right? Because isn't that how it goes? Isn't that good? Yeah, lads. Yeah, that's 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 just how it works in life. And there we go. And uh, chat to Mike. I'm sure he's got loads of um, wisdom on on dealing with conflict in marriage and all the rest. But there we go, uh, folks. It's uh, just great to be together as it is every single week and to to share. Last week we kicked off this this uh, series on the Book of Ephesians, and I explained how I felt for some time that we needed to kind of teach just slightly differently for a season. And so we're going to do what we what's known as expository teaching rather than thematic teaching. So we're actually going through a specific book in the Bible and we've chosen Ephesians and we're taking it piece by piece, verse by verse and trying to unpack what what God was saying then, many, many years ago and maybe kind of share with us, well, what's he saying to us today, many, many years later? How is it relevant to our lives? And so um, we're in Ephesians chapter 1. And we're in the second part of that, we're 15 and 23. And a little reminder that the book was a letter, and it was written by St. Paul. It was written to the churches in Ephesus, which was a Greek colony in modern-day Turkey. And uh, it was written about six or eight years after when, when Paul was there. And it was, uh, it was believed that he wrote this letter when he was in jail in Rome. And the main theme, really, of this whole chat, of this whole book, or this whole letter, is about the church, and it's about becoming what we are in Christ. It tells us how we might become like God intended. And I said last week that it was like an, this analogy of a photograph that's taken. This is before the age and the era of digital photography, when a photograph was taken, and it was there. That was the original thing that was captured, but then it was taken to a dark room, and over time the picture was developed and it became what was taken. And the, the, the sense of this, the, the analogy of this is simply that when, when God had taken the picture, the picture that was, that was taken was that we are made alive in Christ, but now the film needs to be developed. God's original design was the photograph that was taken, but now throughout the rest of this book, as we unpack this week by week, Paul helps us to develop the picture, that we would become a people and a people together of what God originally intended. And last week we looked at those first 14 verses and it's this amazing uh, eulogy, this amazing piece of praise that, that basically sets the tone of that God is establishing a people, a people of every tribe and tongue and nation and background that would be together regardless of their differences but be together as one people that would love God and would love one another. And it was a picture of what eternity is going to look like, but that we, his church, are to demonstrate it in the here and now. And that was the intention, that is God's desire. And as we move into the second part of this chapter, it begins, uh, Paul continues with a prayer. Someone once said, in his word, God reveals his will, but by prayer, We ask him to do it. And so here we are. You ready, Shantz? For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. 
I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you might know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked not only in the present age but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And the reason is found then in the passage before, which is what we unpacked last week. The reason that both Jew and Gentile, the people who are there in Ephesus, would be God's people. That they would be united as one in the joint inheritance which was theirs in Christ. Together they were one. They were a body. They were a family. They were a place and a community of hope. A community that regardless of their background or their differences or where they come from, that they were one in Christ. And news of this had returned to Paul. Even though he was many, many miles away, he had heard of their faith. He had heard that they had a deep love for Jesus. He'd heard that they'd had a deep love for one another. And is this not the kind of church that we would want to be known as? Is that not right? Within our community that we'd be known as that they're the people that really, really just love one another. And they're really, really serious about relationship with God. They don't take themselves too seriously, but they really take relationship with God to be really, really serious. They really seem to love him, those guys, up there at the vineyard. And are they not the greatest commandments? When Jesus was asked the question, what are the greatest commandments? And he said this, love God and love each other. And these are our values too. We have three core values. Those of you who've been around, you've heard these before. And the first two are connection and community. Connection that ultimately, first of all, we need to be connected with him. That we have relationship with him. And out of that relationship, everything else comes. And so we have relationship with one another. And we're just so thrilled that our life groups were launched this week. We heard loads of positive stories coming from each of those different groups. It's absolutely amazing. We highly value family. As we were praying this morning, one of the people who were praying just sensed that there was a, a real sense of family amongst us. And it's something that we value. It's something that we want to nurture amongst our people. If you're our guest here this morning, I hope that people come up to you at some point and just say, Hi, how are you doing? It's so good to see you. And we would welcome you that you'd be part of the family. And here's the thing, in families, there's usually, you know, there's good things about families and sometimes there's bad things about families. And there's things that annoy each other and all the rest. But we take each other as we are in family, warts and all. And that's the whole thing, the whole deal. So as you come, come as you are. Come as you are. And we value that incredibly highly. Paul's heard about the church, and in response, he prays, he's given thanks, he's saying, God, thank you, and he remembers them in prayer. It must have been so encouraging for the people in Ephesus, the Ephesian church, to have heard this letter written to them the first time, because they would have been in a group of people, it's not like they had a book to read, like we have the book, because it's in the book, that we can read the letter, it would have been read out loud to the whole uh, number of people there. But it must have been so encouraging for them. He's heard about how we're doing. 
You want to have someone in your life that hears the good things that are going on in life. And it's, it's like he was the founding father to the church then. It's like word has spread. He's heard how we're doing and he's praying for us. I cannot tell you how encouraging it is for us, for Chantal and I, to have um, Andy and Harmony Smith who lead the Vineyard Church in Belfast, uh, who oversee us and care for us and champion us that they hear of what's going on and they're, they're involved in the life of this church. Some of you don't even know who I'm talking about and that's absolutely fine. But they oversee us and they champion us and they're like, go on guys, you can do this, you can do this. And, and they go around and they tell other people about what's happening in the wider vineyard movement of which there are 120 churches across UK and Ireland. We've heard other stories going, oh yeah, we hear about what the Lord is doing in Carrickfergus. It's amazing what's happening in character. That's fantastic. And please, I'm not bigging us up. That might sound like, well, like I am. I'm really not. But it's so encouraging for us to hear that. Wow, great news is spread. News is spread, of which we're a part of. And you need to know that. Folks, especially if you're a guest here this morning, this is, this is not a standalone church. It is in many ways. But in other ways, we're connected and we're part of a wider thing. And we have great relationship with the other vineyard churches because together we're a big family and that's the way it works. So to have Paul write this to the church there, they must have been just so chuffed. We too, as leaders, we, we do our best and we're improving on this and champion our own leaders within the church, our life group leaders and our ministry leaders, that we would check in with them, that we would be praying for them, that we'd be emailing saying, how's it going? How did group go? Or I heard about group on, on Wednesday night. I heard about the, the desserts that you had there. There seems to be like a dessert competition going on amongst groups right now. And uh, we lost our baker. And, uh, and Anne Malcolm as well, who once upon a time was a baker, and amongst other things. By the way, Malcolm um, is like Mr. Ben. Do you remember Mr. Ben? <laughs> yeah. It, like, if you don't know Malcolm, speak to Malcolm. It, like he has done every job known under the sun and once upon a time he too was a baker and they were both in our group in our last group and we've lost them that's no pressure by the way folks who just come to our group this time around bring your best tray bake and all the rest uh, but we're just we're just so thrilled of we hear the stories of what's going on and we champion after those leaders that we release them go for it go for it it's absolutely super so Paul writes this, um, he begins to pray, and these are his prayers. This is the beginning of what he has to say. He keeps asking that God, Lord Jesus, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. When we were in Coleraine for a time, uh, part of a fabulous, the fabulous vineyard church there, we, there was one guy, his name was Andy, whenever came to just meetings that we had together, he used to always come and pray for me. Maybe he felt sorry for me, probably was. But he'd come and he'd pray and he'd stand beside and he'd just lay his hand on my shoulder and he'd just pray those words over me. It seemed like every time I was like, mate, have you not got a different prayer you can pray? But he would pray, you know, just pray that you, me, would, would receive the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of wisdom and revelation that I would know him better. He just seemed to pray this every single time. And, um, and so that's the prayer, praying to God, praying to the Father. Father God, would you give your people 
the Holy Spirit. Why? That we might know him better. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. When we try and unpack and we try and understand what the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is, the Holy Spirit speaks and reveals to us the Father and the Son. So Jesus, he says, this is he's preparing his disciples before he dies and rises again. He says to his disciples, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Jesus has said so much to them. He's imparted so much to them. And Jesus is saying, guys, I'm going to go one day, but the Holy Spirit is going to come and he'll remind you. He'll speak of the things. He'll remind you of the things that I have spoken to you. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He reveals to us. He shows us. He illuminates our minds and our hearts with the things of God. In John 15, Jesus writes this, When the advocate comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from my Father, he will testify about me. That means he'll tell about me. And then after Jesus' death and resurrection, very well-known verses in Acts, Jesus says, Don't leave Jerusalem. Don't go about your own business, but wait. Wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you're going to receive, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And there's something important in the word wait. That we would wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And what we would like to do, the way we've kind of rejigged the service this morning, is give time at the end to just wait. And not rush and go and do, pick the kids up, get the coffee, go home. Is just spend some time waiting in his presence to receive the Holy Spirit. Goodness, there's probably never been an age ever in existence when life is so fast moving. Information coming in and just bombarding. Life is mental for some people, isn't it? You're busy with work, if you've family, if you've just stuff going on. It's just, it's just such a fast pace. And it's important that we wait. And we wait for the Holy Spirit. I love the person of the Holy Spirit who reveals to me, God, that I would know him better. He continues to pray these things, that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened, that they would be opened. It's important that we realize that God has already revealed his will to us. The mystery which was hidden, which we read about last week, that we are his people and that we have every spiritual blessing in him. And I remind you of what we said last week. In him, we have everything. Those of you who right now are lacking in certain areas or there's difficulties or there's struggles and there's all those things, I am not doing away with that stuff. I'm not making light of that. But the truth is that in him, we have everything. We have everything that we need. And so Paul is praying this. He's just praying not something new, but he's trying to help the people come to a greater understanding of what is already theirs. 
the inheritance that they've already received. He's just praying that we would understand more of what we've got. And he prays for three types of knowledge. He wants them to know those three things. And the first one is hope. The hope to which God has called them. And biblical hope is future certainty. We'll say it again. Biblical hope is future certainty. It's going to happen. And what has already been revealed, this is last week again, is the hope that one day, one day, a new heaven and a new earth will be created of which those who know Jesus will be a part of. And they will all come under the headship of Christ, that we would be his people, that we would love one another, we would love him forever and ever. And that is what he's establishing now. Now, here through the body of Christ, through his church. And also that we would know the riches of the glorious inheritance. In the Old Testament, the people of God were known as his portion or his possession. But now in the New Testament, God's people, both Jew and Gentile now, are now known as his inheritance. We are, in his, 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 we are his inheritance. It's what he receives. And Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. And we, his people in Carrick Fergus, and he's trying to encourage him. He's like, do you realize how significant we are? Do you realize that we are a part of this people? It's a tremendous, tremendous blessing and honor that we would be a part of his body. And that he also wants us to know the power of God to be his church, his incomparable great power. It's a power that cannot be compared. And as we think about this, ponder what, what power or par, that's my best. Um, think, think of the most powerful person, it's often known as the US president, Barack Obama, currently is known as the most powerful man or person in our world. Consider a man like Brian Shaw, Who's he? Anyone know? Oh, come on. No? Brian Shaw, apparently, one world's strongest man. Is that right? No one watched that over Christmas? We kind of got bored of it since Jeff Capes. The world's strongest man, great power. Consider the waves, consider the weather. Um, yesterday, um, I was in County Fermanagh, and I'm on a kayak, kayaking across this lock, we're literally, me and my friend Chris, we're in the middle of this thing. I say to him, I say, mate, look over there. It was the grayest gray you've ever seen. And it just came literally within seconds. And it just absolutely pelted down on top of us. And the waves literally within seconds just whipped straight up. And we're trying to paddle across this thing as hard as we possibly could. And we could not get to where we wanted to because we were at the mercy of the, of the elements and the power of the wind and the waves. We literally were blown across to the side and we had to get out and we were wading through the water. It was some scene, I'm sure. But the waves, that's just a small thing in a small boat. Consider we've seen all kinds of stuff. Uh, waves and the devastation that they can cause, the power, the power of lightning, the power of nuclear force, but nothing compares to God's power. Nothing would. Why would Paul pray that the eyes would be enlightened to know more of God's power? Why would he want us to know, to experience more of God's power? It's to do the things of the kingdom. 
is to do the things of the kingdom. With him, we are, without him, we are powerless. With him, he gives us the power that supersedes anything that comes against us. And especially the schemes of Satan, who is out to rob, kill, and destroy. And especially to rob, kill, and destroy the church. God entrusts his people with power to exercise it with authority and humility to defend and to defeat the purposes of this dark, dark world in which we're a part of. Our Sparklers age group, which is um, not three to five, thank you, um, currently are doing this whole thing on superheroes. You might see some of them charging around with little uh, masks on them and capes and all the rest, and they're doing this thing at the minute. It's brilliant. Um, all about superheroes and what have you. And I kind of just wondered, I was like, why is it that our children get so kind of caught up with superheroes and superpowers? And you imagine the Marvel comics and all the rest. Why is it that that kind of captures their imagination? It's because it's a whole picture of the kingdom about good and evil. And so those superheroes are good guys. And the good guys always win, don't they? They always win. But they have to fight. And they have to conquer evil. And it's a picture of the kingdom. So while storytellers and filmmakers dream these things up, which capture the imagination of our children, the reason it captures their imagination is because it's written on their hearts. And it's written on our hearts that, there is, that we are in a battle. And it is a battle between good and evil, right and wrong. And it really is about us receiving God's power that we might defend, but we might defeat. And that power is above the powers of this dark world. We need his power, folks. And that power, he goes on and he, he elaborates on this more, lengthy ex explanation of his power. It's important that we understand that the power of God that raised Jesus to life is that same power that when Jesus was raised to life, we were raised to life, spiritually speaking. When Jesus died and rose again, the power that did that, as that happened, as he rose to life physically, we, at that point, were raised spiritually. This power that we speak of, it's available to us. And it's not like a hungry power, like, oh, it's not that kind of deal, but it is giving us what we need. Because folks, without him, we're, we're dead. We're defeated. And let's face it, all of us, I'm sure, come under struggles and temptations and doubts and worries and fears. And goodness, if we unpacked it here, folks, if we were really, truly honest about life and where we're at, goodness, what? It's, it's all going on. And it is, it's reality. God wants to release his power that we would overcome, that we would be overcomers. This power is for us as a church and it comes through intimacy with Jesus. And when Satan is allowed to rule and reign, when we give him a foothold as the Bible speaks of, he can enter in and he can rob, kill and destroy. If you uh, have seen it in church or churches before, Often, when churches implode or where there's a split or factions occur or power struggles go on, they crash and burn. It's usually because the leaders 
and its people have taken their eyes off the ball. And the ball is Jesus. You imagine, you remember that spot the ball? It was in newspapers. It was like you had these, these footballers going up for a header and you had to pinpoint where it was. That's the ball. It's the ball. Can you see the ball? It's like when we take our eyes off the ball, that's when we crash. And that's when we burn. And the ball is Jesus and it's intimacy and relationship with him. We are coming into land. Q. Jesus is the head, and he has placed everything under him. He's given him power over every force and principality and dominion. Everything is positioned under him and under his feet. And Jesus is the head of the church, and we are his body. We are his, his ambassadors. An ambassador is someone who represents someone or a people. And we are his ambassadors. We need his power. We need his presence in our lives to represent him well. We want to spend some time just, to, just going after relationship with God. And that comes to intimacy. And that comes as we sing songs. And that's kind of what goes on. And so these guys are going to lead us uh, just for a, uh, a brief time more. And uh, then we're going to pray and see what God wants to do. And you're going to tune your guitar. That's okay. Would you want us to talk amongst ourselves or are you good? Just a minute. Why don't we take another break and talk amongst ourselves? <laughs>